Welcome in to another edition of the Captain's Run. It is Friday. We'll have a bit of fun, but uh, most importantly, we'll get your thoughts on what's got you up and about in the sporting world. Good news, as you've just heard with Meredith in the news about the latest figures in relation to Victoria's uh, coronavirus little, um, well, let's call it a speed hump. Uh, no new cases today in the community, which is excellent, and only about 12 tests left to process for those involved in the Australian Open after 500-odd have returned negative results. So for me, in sitting here, and we'll speak to Brett Phillips, our tennis expert, this morning on the latest as it's moving pretty quickly with 100 games scheduled today. It is all on track. Great news. Big show coming up. Bit of a Super Bowl theme as well. Of course, you will hear... Super Bowl, what is it, 55, I think it is, on SEN on Monday morning. The man who's going to call the action, not in the stadium this year, but from a studio, which will present its um, other challenges for Jared Waitley. He's going to join us out at 10 o'clock this morning. Looking forward to chatting to him about the experience of going and this year's preparation, calling it off, um, calling it off the screen um, a million miles away. But we are going to go to Tampa Bay. We're going to speak to Pat Donovan, who's a radio host in Tampa Bay, and get the latest, different Super Bowl experience, no doubt, this year. But uh, looking forward to getting a chat to him a couple of days out from the big event, the world's biggest sporting event. We'll speak to the Perth Scorchers there through to another BBL final. What a franchise they have been, as I said, Brett Phillips. And if you've got a question for champion data... We've got their their chief man, their number one guy, Daniel Hoyne. He's going to come on with us and he's going to talk to us about all things in the lead-up to the season, but in particular the elite player ratings that dropped on Wednesday and some real confusion. I'm confused about it. Some really questionable inclusions, some questionable exclusions. Well, Hoyne's been good enough to front up for us and, and have a chat to us about those ratings. But if you've, you've got a question, if you're wondering about something... Send it through on the temper text, 0433981116. And we'll also hear from um, the head of football, the Crows, prior to 12 o'clock on the latest with the Tyson Stengel situation and all things happening. Adam Kelly is, in fact, still in um, house quarantine after returning with the AFLW team from Western Australia. So we'll get the latest on that. The quiz, over and under, all the usuals, all your favourites, great prizes to give away, one 736 736 is the number, but I'm going to continue my Nick Kyrgios discussion and we're going to start the show with this. Uh, So two weeks ago, I sat here and I launched the show with Nick Kyrgios firmly in my sights uh, and I went into detail about for most of 2020, he was lauded and it did have nothing to do with Tennessee. He won a lot of you over, it must be said, for his work on social media. He condemned those who he was perceiving not to be taking the pandemic seriously. And his fans again applauded when he labelled Novak Djokovic at all uh, after he sent a list of requests to Tennis Australia to help his competitors who were unexpectedly stuck in hard quarantine. But I personally wasn't buying the new and improved Nick Kyrgios. I urge you not to get sucked in by the improved public position Kyrgios has at times taken in 2020 for it was a year that he hardly stepped on a court. History tells us that when things get tight in the fourth set of the third round of the Australian Open, Kyrgios will let you down. He might abuse those closest to him. It would not surprise me if he flat out gives up. That's what I wrote two weeks ago. 
It may have happened sooner than I expected, but uh, I want to go back to, what was it, the Murray River Open, second round. He's serving, and he had an umpiring decision go against him. Here's how it went down. Back, I saw the clock. It was at 3, 2, 1. As at 1, I'm pulling my serve here, and he calls time violation. But I'm serving, bro. That's my serving motion. I wasn't bouncing the ball. I was serving, right? So it's ridiculous. So tell me why. Because the tennis isn't about him. He's an extra to make sure all this goes smoothly. So why does he feel the need to do that? I was serving. And you you know I have to walk back and forth to get my towel now. So he's a smart ass and falls off. And now I have to get fined for it. But I was playing by the rules. I was serving. Yeah, I don't care though. But, no, yeah, I don't care. but, I don't, but why is he doing that? Well, because he probably focused on the scoreboard. Yeah, but I have to go back and forth to get my I towel. I know. And I'm, I'm here, though, but I wasn't bouncing the serve. I was actually here, and he goes, time violation, Nikiros. And I'm like, I don't question, want... Huh? It's a question of timing, yes. Yeah, but then, and then he says everyone's serve technique is the same. And you can ask him, I wasn't bouncing the serve. I was about to serve. So you'd be disappointed if your three-year-old child acted like that. Well, I would be anyway. And can you imagine, can you imagine the backlash? If that was Tim Payne, if, say that was Tim Payne, the Australian cricket captain, acting like that, or David Warner, if they had walked off in the middle of a test match and demanded to speak to the match referee if they suffered a poor umpiring call. Tennis isn't about him, he said. He's an extra, referring to the chair umpire. But what shocked me most out of all of this, out of all of it, was the support that Nick Kyrgios got for his latest indiscretion. Now, many of you, many of you went to social media and you loved it and you cited the fact that Nick Kyrgios was right. Now, he, he may have been right. By 0.3 of a second, he may have been right. And you defended his latest dummy spit. I couldn't believe it. Some even praised him for returning to the court and winning the match. Now, last week, Kyrgios doubled down on his criticism of Djokovic. He said, I'm not doing any of this sort of stuff for media attention. These are my morals. This is what I've grown up with. I'm doing my part. I wonder where his morals were on Wednesday night when he devalued and disrespected the match officials. Where were those said morals when he quit when things got tough midway through the match and only returned when he eventually got his way? What we need to do is demand more of our country's biggest sporting stars, our role models who represent us in front of millions all over the world. Unfortunately, far too many of you are pandering to Kyrgios and it's not helping his cause. But as I always do, I'll open it up, debate it with me, because it, it got pretty heated on social media and a lot of people were having their say. I'd love for you to do that with me now. Did you support Nick Kyrgios walking off the court because he was right? Or do we need to be harder on Australia's biggest sporting stars? 0433981116 or send me a text and get involved in the show. Join in the conversation right now, 0433981116. Yeah, well, I wasn't shocked by it. A lot of you loved it. Uh, make the case as to why Nick Kyrgios was right to walk off the court and quit mid-match because the decision went against him. AK is going to kick us off on the captain's run this morning. Uh, what did you think of Nick Kyrgios' dummy spit? And welcome to the show. How you going, Kane? Good, uh, mate. Just got, a, just got a couple of points, mate. I just think it's just, mate, walking off, it was like three seconds, two and one, and... And I'll probably call it. Why does he have to wait until the one second and then throw the ball up? And then second, walking off, the, walking off. I, I just think it doesn't look good for young tennis players looking at that because they look at him as a role model coming in the future. Look, the guy's got a lot of talent. 
right? I understand. But why did he try to prove himself to be on social media, on TV, and keep proving himself, oh, yeah, this and that and this and that? It's not good for tennis, and it's not healthy, because we look at him as a role model for Australia. And I'll be honest with you, this kid could be anything. Mm. And what you just said before, if you hit on Australia and with, with Djokovic, I mean, exactly. He said those words, and then in, he gets back on those words, you know what I mean? Like... It's, it's not good. It's not healthy for tennis. Thank you, to AK, to you, to kicking us uh, off. Do you agree? Do you disagree? So if, if he wants to carry on like this, and like, it was embarrassing. I, I thought it was completely embarrassing. If, if he wants to do that, good, fine, don't worry about it. And, and I've spoken to Brett Phillips about this before. He says, well, let's just not talk too much about Nick. If he wants to do that, let him let him do it. But the fact that he's got involved and taken the moral high ground on a lot of issues... And then does this, um, I'm just not sure there's a lot of self-awareness out this. And I'm not sure you can separate condemning people for not taking a pandemic seriously, but then also speaking to referees like that and saying, well, he's just an extra. He's nothing to do, tennis, nothing to do with him. So I thought that was, that was interesting. But Phil is in South Bank, um, and he also wants to continue our discussion on Nick Kyrgios. Welcome, Phil. What's your thoughts? All right. Thanks for having me on, mate. Um... Bottom line, people are just going to take the ref's decision, the umpire's decision, things like that. There's so many volunteers in the sport, and it's um, it's just ridiculous. So just uh, just to pick up on your analogy, uh, Kane, um, you probably wouldn't remember, I dare say, but uh, back in '81, Sonny Gavaska um, escorted Chet and Shawan off the ground when he got a Tokyo uh, LBW decision. So he walked all the way to the fence, and uh, the team manager, the team manager, said. Um, Chetan, you can go back on the ground. Sonny, you're coming with us. So um, when you refer to yeah. Tim Payne and uh, things like that, so um, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't alive, but I have vague memories of seeing it um, replayed. Yeah, I, I I imagine the condemnation of Tim Payne or David Warner uh, had they done that would have been a lot more severe than what Nick Curios did walking off the court because an umpiring decision went against him. So so where is where is the backlash? What well, why is it different for Kyrgios as opposed to Tim Payne who cops it left, right and centre? Um, I don't understand it. Uh, perhaps perhaps it's because we've pandered to tennis players all over the world for far too long and their behaviour hasn't been well, hasn't been severe enough, the punishments. I mean Nick was fined hundred and sixty six grand for a whole host of things in Cincinnati, but dating back to McEnroe and things like that, they are allowed to get away with a lot. And it was amazing to see it the other night that the ref came out and, and just wanted to keep him happy. Nick Nick, can't we just get this game back on? Can't, it was it was it was it was an embarrassing situation. Uh Lou is in Bandura. G'day to Lou. Kane, okay, how you going, mate? Good mate. Mate, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm over this bloke because everyone keeps saying, oh, he's such a... Ta-. Mate, he's 25. He's done nothing in his career. He's, what's with this? Oh, he's so talented. Mate, he's talented, yeah. He's done nothing. One, Not one grand slam. He's, he hasn't even got to a semi-final. So let's just get off this he's so talented train because this kid's just spoiled. All right, he's got the money. Good on him. But, mate, let, let's just get off the train. Uh, well... <laughs> When you, when you say he's done nothing, I you know it's a significant achievement to be ranked. You know what, what, what would his highest ranking be? He's probably been 15 in the world. So unbelievable achievement worldwide to be 
15th in the world at any given sport and quarterfinals at a couple of Grand Slams, Australian Open, Wimbledon. So he hasn't achieved nothing, but he is underachieved in, in what he has been given. But I'm not so concerned about that. It's more about condemning everyone else, but then when you get your first opportunity to make a real positive statement and for us to say, yeah, well, maybe Nick has changed. Maybe maybe it is a new Nick Kyrgios at the age of 25 and he's going to be a great ambassador and a role model for the second half of his career. The first moment he gets at the Murray River Open, he walks off and quits. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit harsh because a lot of people on social media thought I was, but most of you are agreeing this morning. Is there a different take? Let me know your thoughts on that. Anthony's on the line. He might have a different view. Anthony, your thoughts? My thoughts are, Kane, that um, you shouldn't be talking about him. You give him airtime, and that's the problem. He's a tool. Ignore him. Don't give him any social media at all. Why are we talking mm. about him? Because he rates Anthony. Like there, there are certain there are certain figures uh, in world sport that get a reaction, and he's good for radio. He's good for TV. Like I guarantee you that when the draw is released at the Australian Open, Channel Nine, the Australian Open are praying that he gets through to the second week. Because you you watch him, I'll watch him, I'll talk about him because he rates. It's the same in. In American sport, you, you talk about LeBron James, he rates. You talk about Tom Brady, he rates. There are certain figures, be it good role models, be it questionable, that people are captivated by and interested by. Um, and he's a bit of an enigma, and that's why we continue to talk about him because, it's for me, it's like driving past a car crash. Well, don't look, but everyone slows down and looks. That, that's what I would say about Nick. Appreciate your call, mate. Let's go to Bo, who wants to continue the talk on Nick. G'day, Bo, your thoughts? Uh, the same, the same thing with the tennis racket smashing and the attitude towards everything. When you reference them to the cricketers, um, the downfall from their governing body is so much harsher than mm. what a tennis player in general gets, and it's it's disappointing because it doesn't set, it sets a precedence for the rest of everyone else that's involved. Yep, well, it's spot on. So you, you're saying you're agreeing with me that. The governing bodies, and there's there's lots of them all over the, the world, which makes it a bit more complicated, need to be harder on the behaviour of the tennis players. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and you, you look at the, the... The best example of that is the rugby union players. And I don't watch a lot of rugby union, it must be said, but they, they quietly go over and talk to the referees. They're not allowed to talk unless they're asked to speak. They call the referees sir, and it's like, well, how's the respect for the umpires in this? better in AFL, a lot better than it used to be. And look, I'm, no one's perfect. We've all given an umpire a spray and been really disappointed with the decision that's gone your way and you call them names. But I've never seen an AFL player quit and walk off a field because an umpiring decision went against them. That's what we saw on Tuesday night. And no one's talking about it. No one is talking about the fact that he quit because of a poor umpiring decision. Um, we will move on from Nick, I promise. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about this morning. There's heaps of news around the place. We'll get to that, but I'll quickly get through. Uh, Nick and Dave want to have their say on this. G'day to you, Nick. Hey, how are you? Good, mate. Yeah, mate, just a quick one. Um, the analogy you just spoke of, mate, I really appreciate that. The fact that, of course, you spray the refs, and we all have playing sport, whatever. But, mate, to, to his credit, it's him. It's not his team members, and you wouldn't walk off the team because I know you're a bit of a battler. Or, or a belter or a team man. But, mate, it's him. It's his team. It's his appreciation. He didn't quit. He said it wasn't the right decision, and he has the ability to do that, mate. And the fact for him to walk up and challenge that stuff where he was right is correct. If you had the same conviction of a, of a decision, I'd like to think that you had the ability to go over and say, yep, I'm standing up for my teammates, but 
to a team sport, it's completely different. The flog that plays golf that cheats at the moment, like, you see the boys attacking him, but who does he rely on? He's got a caddy that he's paying. You yeah. know, his career has got his team that he's paying. And he didn't quit. He came back and won the game, mate. But it, well, it, 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 yeah, I think you're yeah. getting a mixed message out there, mate. No, I think, and I think Nick, to your credit, I think you've made your, you've made your point pretty well, and um, it makes what what you're saying makes sense. And that was a lot of what people were saying on on social media. Well, he's right; he's not hurting himself. It's an individual sport, but he is when he starts to go into different worldwide events and be the bigger man and speak about the morals when he's grown up. And you, you heard the interaction with the ref. You're saying he's not hurting himself. Well, he is because he's devaluing the officials in the sport. He's basically saying they don't matter and they're just here as an extra, to use his words. The sport's not about him. Well, what happens if no chair umpires put their hand up to to want to do it on the back of the abuse that they cop? So he's not just hurting himself. He's hurting the, you know... My three boys that are watching at home, anyone who's got kids, they say, well, hang on, my my kids play basketball, I've got a bad decision. That's okay, I can just walk off. Now that's taking it to the extreme, I know that. But he's not just hurting himself. There's millions watching him, and he's got to be better as an Australian athlete and and one of our more famous ones. 1-300-736-736. Dave will be our last caller on Nick. Your thoughts, mate? Uh, G'day, Kane. Uh, Love your show. Um, Thank you. I think there's an interesting analogy with a very famous political figure uh, one Donald Trump How so? uh, who in that he doesn't accept the decision so it doesn't really matter whether the decision is right or wrong the the, the umpire uh, this is the you know the US uh, had decided that you know Biden is the is the uh, has won the event and mm. but Donald hasn't accepted that and has created all this thing. And there's a common sort of theme to Donald Trump and Nick Kyrgios in that it's it's sort of like a narcissistic behaviour where they really can't see themselves. They don't sort of see themselves. They always blame others. Uh, and I think it's a very, actually a very, you know, close analogy. Good on you, David. Appreciate your thoughts and everyone who's given us a buzz on this. Of course, we will continue to take your calls right through until 12 o'clock. It got me thinking as well. So 25 seconds to serve a tennis ball. You should never, ever go over 25 seconds to take your serve. I, I don't understand how that can happen. Now, it's not just Nick here, clearly. Raf has done it for years, and he's been clocked at you know above 30 seconds, which is ridiculous. Shot clock in basketball is 24 seconds. They have 24 seconds to get a shot up. You don't need 25 seconds to take a serve. What mistakes do sports people make that they should never, ever make? Taking 25 seconds to serve is one of them. You know, a spin bowler bowling a no ball. It should, should never, should never ever happen. Um, an AFL captain winning the toss and kicking into the wind. It just should, should never ever happen. There's a few of them. If you got one for me, a mistake that a sports person should never make. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Or better still, give me a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take your calls on the mistakes sports people should never make. On the other side of this. Uh, some really good texts coming through. We'll get to those very, very shortly. I've got a lot of those to get back to. On the mistakes sports people should never, ever make, I reckon a tennis player should never take longer than 25 seconds to serve. Darren is on the line. You got one for me, Daz? Yeah, Kane. An AFL footballer shouldn't miss from out in front from 10 to 20 out. The old saying, my grandma could kick that. <laughs> You're right. It shouldn't happen, but it uh, happens to the best of us. So, there used to be an old one uh, back in the day. 
Well, you certainly are. I remember junior coaches screaming, never kick across goal as a defender. That used to be one. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. More likely to switch the ball. But don't you ever kick across goal. I remember that being hounded into us at junior level. Thank you to you, Darren. Uh, let's get to Jesse in Glen Iris. What are the mistakes that sports people should never make? Yeah, I've got two in footy. I always find it weird when someone kicks the wrong way. I'm like, how do you kick the wrong way? Like, <laughs> are you not thinking? And the other one is more of a team one. I find it weird when teams lose by over 100 points in the grand final. How does the yeah. team should never happen? Jesse, should happen. never, ever happen. That, that, that should, how could you lose a grand final, those idiots, by over 100 points? Should never ever happen. Just on kicking the wrong way, I played in... Darwin, a lot of you would have seen the vision, hilarious vision. Um, we were playing the Bulldogs and David Roden picked up the ball about, I don't know, 45 out. Uh, in his defence, pretty severe angle. And we, he's just snapped it over his left shoulder and kicked a magnificent goal from 45 metres out. Snap and and gave it the fist pump, mind you. The little fist pump as well until he realised after Brad Johnson came over and just had a word in his ear that he actually kicked a goal for the opposition, which was which was a point. So um, a moment that uh, was hilarious, but certainly wasn't for D-Rod at the time. Text coming through, a golfer should never ask for relief or a drop because they feel they can bend the rules for an advantage, says Bo. You should never win the toss and bowl in a cricket final. Um, that's in relation to the heat last night. Fugues coming through, people never understanding how an AFL player can kick it into the man on the mark. That is... That, is, that should should never, ever happen. Get back far enough and kick it over the man. Uh, dropping, this, I like this one, dropping the baton in the relay at the Olympics should never, in capitals, happen. Should never, ever happen. So uh, what are the mistakes sports people make that they should just just not happen? We'd love for you to get uh, your thoughts on that and, and get involved. The, the one that used to get me was when the fullback was kicking in from fullback prior to them changing the rules and they would step over the goal line and have a ball up at the top of the goal square. Should never, ever happen. Plenty of news around the place. Let's get the latest with Meredith Gibbs. Uh, text coming through, 0433981116. We, we took some calls on the mistakes sports people should never make and uh, someone rang up and said you should never lose a grand final by over 100 points. And I was having a bit of fun with that. Um, a lot of people didn't pick up on, on that cane. Didn't you play in the 2007 grand final, says, uh, says Steve. Hey, Kane, didn't you lose a grand final by over 100 points against Geelong, says Jason. Yes, I did, for those that missed um, that little dig at myself. But um, there is a few people on the text line, not as common to ring us up and defend Nick Kyrgios this morning. I wasn't, wasn't shocked, but was once again disappointed by the way that he, he sooked it up the other night when he walked off the court because the umpire decision went against him. Hi, Kane. I don't defend Nick calling the umpire names, but he was pretty composed making his argument compared to some of his other dummy spits. You can't bag him for taking his allotted time. It's within the rules, like every AFL player taking their 30 seconds to have a shot on goal. Cheers, said Doug. Well, that, that's my point right there, Doug. We pander to Nick Kyrgios and tennis players far too much. He was pretty composed compared to his other dummy spits. So let's give him a tick for that. Well, he just shouldn't be a dummy spit. And he shouldn't be walking off the court because the umpiring decision went against him. I'm not arguing that he was right. He was right. I'm arguing that he 
acted like a complete fool when he walked off the court because the decision went against him. Uh, mistakes sports people should never make. Um, this one, track and swimming athletes should never false start, says Conrad. I don't know. I can see how that happens. I can see how you have a false start. Perhaps the second time, yep. But I can see how someone's so eager to start and get in the water that they, they false start. one three hundred seven three six seven three six doesn't happen often, but there are lines available right now if you want to give us a call and get involved. As Barney has done, who's in Croydon. G'day to you, Barney. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Happy New Year and all that sort of crap. And to um, you too, buddy. <laughs> uh, look, uh, just quickly on Curios, I said, never has been an adage so apt. I sacked that bloke three years ago, mate, and the old adage, a leopard never changes its spots. It just When, when you say sacked him, so when you say yep. sacked him, what does that mean? If he's on TV, it, it if means, he's playing, it means do you I watch would him? Not give, no, I don't. I wouldn't give him oxygen, mate. If some uh, Lufthawanian player was playing him in the final at Wimbledon, I'd be barking for the Lufthawanian because he's been mm. a disgrace as an ambassador for an Australian sports for Australian sports people. I'm sorry, mm. but I, 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 I can't come at him, mate. Okay. And the other and thing... You, yep. Sorry, uh, the other thing about uh, a mistake sports people shouldn't make... Well, I can't get over that. So since 2005, when Ricky Ponting sit, sent the Poms in to bat and we lost the Test Series because of that, and then what happens? We nearly lose it again. Tim Payne sent him in the bat in an Ashes Series in England. It's just not done, mate. Mm. Happened uh, with the, the England team as well when they came over here. Was it 2005 when they won the toss at the Gabba in the first Test and chose to bowl? And was it Harmison bowled that? Uh, wide that would have missed three pitches to, to start the innings. That was a mistake, and the Aussies piled on the run. So, yep, there are there are mistakes that shouldn't happen, but they continue to happen. I, I, I can't get my head... Maybe you're not fit enough as a tennis player if, if you're taking more than 25 seconds to serve, that you actually need that time to catch your breath again. Now, I'm not sure what Rafa's excuse is because he seems to be one of the fitter athletes in the world from just looking at him. Maybe it's his OCD and getting everything right before he serves. The umpire's got to come down on him harder. But come on, speed it up. You shouldn't be taking that long to have you serve. What are some of the other sports mistakes that people make? Wayne is in Atwood. G'day to you, Wayne. Yeah. You're on, mate. Loud and clear. Gotcha. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I just want to talk about disgraced sportsmen uh, getting second chances. What about uh, Steve Smith and Warner? You don't think they serve an adequate punishment, Wayne? Well, didn't they bring the whole spawn in disrepute? And we're talking well, yeah. about Curios here. We're talking about Curios, and he's been fined. And, and I get where you're coming from. I'm not a massive fan of him, but we did give him a second chance, these guys, didn't we? And then we just watched him scuff up marks again in the Indian test. But that was shoved underneath the carpet again, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I wasn't as critical on Steve Smith marking centre. I mean, did it impact the pitch? I don't think so. Um, did they pay a, the heaviest price perhaps that any sports people have paid in the history of sport for something that wasn't um, uh, apart from, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or things like that? I think the, the punishment was, was too harsh myself, and I think they've returned pretty well and and return with a, a level of respect and to compare to compare that with Nick 
walking off the court. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I see the comparison there, but I appreciate your thoughts on the program. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Did Steve Smith and David Warner get off lightly? Um, I, I don't think so. But but maybe you do. Let me know. Get involved as always. Richard is on the line. How do we speed up tennis, Richard? G'day, Kane. Same rather than the speed clock on their serve, why don't we just get rid of the second serve? They seem to take an eternity for the first one because they can take the risk. They can take the gamble. Um, and then they get a second crack at it. But if they've only got one serve, they get it in quickly and then the game goes on. We don't have to sit around and wait for a second go at it. Yeah, well, it's it's a uh, it's a different take. I haven't heard that before. It would would dis would it would it, I don't know would it disadvantage the big servers? Probably not because they're still yeah they're still going to be the big servers anyway. I'm just thinking out loud, but um, the the biggest advantage you have in tennis is you serve clearly. Um, they wouldn't take the risk. I mean, what would tennis be like? Certainly, be quicker. Um, and there's different versions that they've tried to speed up tennis. We've seen the the tournament that's come to Australia for the last couple of years prior to this year where it was the Fast Five, I think that's the correct name, where they did some different things and didn't play to, to six games. They, they shortened it. Seemed to work okay. Um, but I don't know about getting rid of the first serve. It seems to be a bit drastic for me. Just shorten the shot clock maybe. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. Um, every now and then I veer away from sport, just every now and then. And there was a significant event that happened in my house during the week, I, I lost a really trusty servant um, of my kitchen and a servant that has served us so well. And that was our DeLonghi coffee machine, which is the go-to at uh, 10 to 5 every morning when I wake up for breakfast radio, hit the DeLonghi. She makes me a coffee, no dramas, been really good to me, no issues until on Thursday morning I hit the button and that was it. She, she, she gave up the ghost and... Um, Gave it mouth to mouth, did all that, tried to resuscitate her, and it didn't happen. So I have to get a new coffee machine. I wanted to ask you, though, what, what has been something in your household that has served you so well? I ran into my old man the other day, and he was out the front of his house. I was running past, and he had this Katmandu jumper on that I remember him wearing when I was about seven, and I'm, I'm now 38. So 31 years on, he's still wearing this Katmandu jumper. I said, you, you're kidding. You've still got that jumper? And he said, yep, it's the best jumper I've ever owned. And this coffee machine was one of the best things I've ever owned. What has served you so well in your house that uh, has just gone the distance and been a really loyal member of your family? Let me know and get involved in that. Um, send us a text, 0433981116. That one's thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other. Perhaps it's a mattress that served you well. John's in Richmond. Um, you've got a comparison with Nick Kyrgios. You want to compare him to some of the cricketers, Johnny? Yeah, Kane, uh, you're a world of contradictions, Kane, at times. Uh, you're talking about Nick Kyrgios defending a wrong call, yeah? Uh, you're saying that he shouldn't, that he's a big baby, yeah? But yep. then you're talking about two players, that, national players, that represent your country in the most important sport in cricket in this country, systematically cheated, cheated the game. And you can cop that on the chin. Would you count no, 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 no,
the same penalty. I'm not defending cheaters at all. I absolutely condemn them at the time for what they did, but I'm saying the punishment and the penalty that they served was was harsh, is what I'm saying. I think he's gone. That represents your country again. They cheated. Ever again. They should not represent the Australian top ever again. These guys are cheaters, Tim. They are cheats. Right. Absolute disgrace when it comes to sport. Come on. Uh, Who's your your team? Johnny, who's your team? Who's your cricket team? Who do you support? Who do you follow? (laughs) I'm from Ireland, man. I mean, I'm not uh, uh, across... All these, all, all the cricket like them. Yeah. There's been okay. far worse stuff, yeah. There's been guys, obviously, the South African, what they did, same thing. But like, this is like, this is the problem here, Kane. Like, you're, you're spitting hairs here with a silly thing like, what? Nick Kyrgios, so what? So what? He was right in the end. Isn't that what all what we want calls for? Make sure that yeah, calls so, so, so you're right? so you're happy with every sports person. I, I'm not not sure what I think you're an AFL guy from speaking to you before. You're happy for every AFL player who gets a poor decision to quit, walk off the court, demand to speak to the fourth or fifth umpire or get Gillan McLaughlin on the phone and confirm and overturn that decision before they walk back onto the field. Like it is completely ridiculous to defend Nick Kyrgios for sooking it up and walking off the court just because he was right. And there was a minor ticky touchwood within point two of a second decision that went against him. Now, if, you, if you're happy for every sports person to walk off the field because they're right and the umpire is wrong, we wouldn't have any sporting legs. It, it would be disgraceful. So what, what he did was embarrassing. He sooked it up. And I'm not sure how we ended up comparing Steve Smith and David Warner in the year or two, a year and a half they spend on the sidelines to, to Nick Kyrgios. I'm not sure how that happened, but appreciate your thoughts to the program as always. Give us a call again sometime. We'll get to Dave in, uh, in Sydney and Tony shortly. Um, and I also want to have a bit of fun this morning. What's something that's been really good to you and has served you well in your household? Because my coffee machine was great and I said goodbye to her on Thursday morning. It's 17 minutes to 10 o'clock. Oh, it's gone into meltdown in here. The uh, item that has served you well in your household, Kane, I'm with you. My coffee machine is vital. I'd go without beer before coffee, says Andrew. Uh, Daniel says, I had a, a set of wall um, clippers since I was 18 and they're still going strong 25 years later. They've never, ever been serviced. Brendan says, I had a standing fan that was 10 years old before it was given to me. I've had it for 25 years and it's got me through summer every year and still going strong. Joel says, most well-used but also dependable thing in my household is my esky, given to me as a gift for my 20th birthday by a friend. I'm now, th- I'm not 38, I'm now 38, I should say, and it's still holding um, very, very strong like brand new. And Kelsey says, hi, Kane, I have a fridge from the late 50s or early 60s that's still going strong. It's never needed any repairs. If you're just joining the show, my coffee machine died after 11 really good years. She was good to me. I'm asking you what's been good to you. Denise is on the line. You've got one for me. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. I had a microwave that died after 35 years. You're kidding. Really, that's tragic. You're kidding. So I wonder when the microwave was invented. It would have been around, it would have been, you would have been one of the first early adapters, were you, or not? Yeah. It was a little timer clock that you wound and buttons, sliding buttons for your heat. And it works far better than the new one that it replaced, oh, yeah. unfortunately. That yeah. And just as far as 
the sports people that make a mistake. Mm. I hate it when swimmers glide to the wall instead yes. of doing another kick. That really gets yeah. me. That's... Well, you've got to get the timing right, don't you? Particularly when you're yeah. doing backstroke and you've got no idea where, where the wall is there. But thank you to you, Denise. Your, your microwave lasts okay. 35 years. I'm just... Googling uh, when the microwave was invented. I think it was first invented in 1946, but more mainstream in the late 60s. So, um, yeah, invent, it wouldn't have been one of the first ones, but still a very, very good innings. Uh, who have we got on the line? Let me get my screen up. Let's go to Dave's in Sydney. Dave, my coffee machine died. What advice have you got for me? Well, I just want to um, explore this friendship a little bit um, further with you, Kane. So, when you say you've farewelled this great friend of yours, what's actually happened? What have you What have you done with it? Mouth to mouth, all all, all sorts of things, taking it to the doc. Now, nah, Dave, I I haven't. Um Explore. I've a, a quick yeah. Google search. It's the grinder, no. so the grinder's stuffed. I've tried to get rid of all the coffee beans out of it and put it through again, yeah. but I'm pretty confident it's dead. No, well, I think you've um, given up on this friendship far too early. Um, so I, I understand the strength of this relationship. Um, yes. My DeLonghi, my DeLonghi also uh, started playing up, and uh, I did uh, YouTube as your friend Kane, if I can put okay. it in that direction. Uh, I I got a part from Italy for it for thirty eight dollars, and then I uh, pulled it to bits following the YouTube video and repaired it, and it's as good as new. So if this friendship is as important to you as yep. you're saying it is, I think it's worth, you've got to invest a bit of time and effort in any relationship, Kane. Exactly right, Dave. The, the problem for me is that I am, am useless with, so there's, there's some things that I'm really bad at, and part of that is using any sort of tool, anything mechanical, anything with my hands. It was something I've just... I know people laugh about me going in the fire brigade and that type of thing, but I really struggle. Like I said, it's a hands-on job. You're fixing things and you're using pumps, and I was hopeless, like absolutely hopeless. So the the chance of me getting on YouTube, getting a part put in, taking it apart and repairing it, uh, absolutely none. So Lucy has just sent me a text. The one she wants is 800 bucks. so apparently I've got to go to the shop and get a new coffee machine today, or the marriage is over as well. Tony is in Thomastown. He wants to speak about some, some athletes. G'day to you, Tone. Good morning, Kane. How you doing? Good, mate. So the mood's all changed. I was, I was all revved up and ready to go, but anyway, let's see if I can get this going. Um, I've noticed there was a lot of hate in, to, to Australian athletes or to any athletes. Um, I'm just going to name a bunch of athletes. Mm -hmm. So Warner... Smith, um, Juan, Favola, uh, we'll chuck in Kyrgios, Comic, Mundine, um, Barry Hall. Um, all right. Now, mm -hmm. out of that whole list there, I, I'd like to say I do not hate any athletes, although when my team's playing against the other team, I do get a bit upset, but if I were to swim out of the street, no disrespect. Shake their hands, photos, everything. I think it's un-Australian not to support an Australian athlete when you're playing against another team. But anyway, out of all those athletes that I've mentioned, if you happen to hate, I'm going to enlighten a lot of your listeners, out of all that list of players that I've mentioned, if you hate, if the, if the three that you hate the most is Tommy, Kyrgios and Mundine, then you got to ask yourself, why is that? I, I, don't, I, don't hate, I don't hate anyone, Tony. I, I just get... Uh, what my my gripe with Nick is, if he wants to do that and behave like that, that that's fine. But then don't 
give me the moral high ground of condemning other people and talking about his morals when the moment he gets his opportunity to step back on the court, I, I thought he let everyone down again. His first opportunity to turn over a new leaf and say this is the more mature version of Nick on the back of the work that he's done with the bushfires and the pandemic, which has been great. Um, but we see most of him and he's most visible when he's on the court, not on Twitter. And the first opportunity, he quit when a decision went against him. Uh, I don't hate anyone. I'll still watch Nick. I'll still hope he does well. I, I hope he wins the whole thing. And I'd, I'd be there clapping him, saying that's an unbelievable effort. But you can't sit back and cop when our biggest and best athletes quit because an umpiring decision went against him. And I was just shocked that he had so much support um, because he may have been right with that decision. It's six minutes to 10 o'clock. Plenty more coming up on the captain's run through until 12. Covered a bit of ground in the first hour. Text coming through for double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I said I'm hopeless at using any tool or fixing things. Fancy that. A huge tool not being able to use at all. And some news coming through from the Sydney Morning Herald in relation to the next captain of the Australian cricket team. We might work our way through that. Jared Waitley on the other side of the 10 o'clock news as well. Plenty coming up in the next two hours. Yeah, well, we all know what that sound means. It's very good morning if you're just tuning into us. It's three minutes past 10 o'clock. If you're with us in Adelaide, it's just after 9.30 in the morning. But as of Monday, it's going to be a different Super Bowl, but one with more storylines than most, I think. Now, a man who's been at the forefront of it with us and calling it for us in the last few years and done an unbelievable and remarkable job is our next guest. It is usually his show, but he's been good enough to join us in the middle of his holidays. Jared Whateley. Jared, thanks for your time. Kane, hello. Great to chat to you. Oh, well, uh, have, you, have, you have, a, have you had a bit of a break, firstly, before we get on to all things <laughs> work-related? Have you been able to refresh and reset on what was an extraordinary year? Yeah, it was good to get to that end of the cricket tour uh, mm. and I did need it, I think that's fair I, I don't know about you Kane but my kids are at an age where for the first week they were still on holidays and all I did was Uber drive and be the ATM yes. for them so, um, so that's, uh, that was good fun um, and then I've had a bit of a chill this week to, uh, to get ready for it all so yes, yes I have had a break, I've got no complaints before we get to uh, the Super Bowl, your thoughts on the tour being cancelled um, this month? I guess you probably weren't surprised. No, it was always going to be difficult, but it does leave Australia in that position where a whole lot of nations have probably taken marginal risks to keep cricket going around the world. And Australia had identified that as, a, as a, both a necessity and a virtue, and then they haven't been able to hold up their end of the bargain for South Africa, who is a cricket board in in desperate trouble and desperate need of that tour at the moment. So um, I have uh, I don't second guess the medical evidence at all, and my sympathies are always with the players in these matters. Is would you really want to go under these circumstances? And then the broader lens on it is it's a, it's a cruel blow for South Africa. It's inflicted by Australia, and um, most other nations have been able to fulfil their obligations one way or another. Jared Whateley joins us this morning. It is his show, and he'll be back calling all the action for Super Bowl 55. You'll hear it live on 1116 SEN, of course, and on the SEN app from 9 until 3. It's a solid stint 
I don't know where to start with, with with this Super Bowl. Firstly, I guess it's it's going to be different for you. I've spoken to you about the thrill of being there and being in the stadium and the parties and everything that's associated with the culture of an event like this. Completely different this year with all of that. But calling from the studio, Jared, I guess that presents <laughs> other challenges as well. So I guess we've had a year to get used to it, Kane, as that's where yeah. the AFL Grand Final was, that's where the deciding test from the Gabba was, that's where the Super Bowl will be. So it's a little bit less uh, fun and it's a fraction less fulfilling, but uh, I'm hardly the only one who will be feeling that, is just watching what's not happening in Tampa rather than what is happening is, yes, I'm, I'm not a big party guy, but the build-up around a Super Bowl is, is quite extraordinary. And for the first time for the home team to be in the Super Bowl, which is, which is held at a neutral venue, or it's not this time around, is what Tampa Bay might have been with all the, the set-up around it and all the anticipation and 72,000 people to what it is with none of the peripheral essentially and uh, and a quarter of the stadium it it does strike me as a little bit of a pity and especially given how great the matchup is is my, my first reaction watching those games on the monday was well every promoter can take the next fortnight off because yeah. that game sells itself and that's exactly how it's panned out it is being called um, maybe the greatest matchup in all of sport is that's that's American, um, that's verbose and that's typical of, of what happens in the build-up to it. But Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes is the meeting of the generations in a way that very rarely can happen, and it will happen on Monday. It's almost like, for an NBA comparison, it's almost like a 23-, 24-year-old LeBron taking on a... I'm not sure of the age difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron, but similar, Michael Jordan well into his mid-40s. Is it like this is everything you would ever want? And if Mahomes loses and Brady gets seven, you would think it's impossible for him to catch him. He's, he's got one and he's 24, 25 almost impossible but should he win the lure of you know getting to six and overtaking him is still there but just on Brady I I watch a, a little bit of NFL and I'm, I, I do love the sport but clearly my knowledge of it isn't as great as as others particularly over there in the US but Tom Brady looked finished to me uh, when he left New England I was surprised he didn't retire and I was surprised he thought he had one more run in him has the, the good form that he's shown this year has that surprised you? Um, yeah, so I think I think if everybody's honest, it it, it surprised the whole uh, sporting world. Um, he was certainly finished at the Patriots, but it, yeah. as it turns out, that had much more to do with the Patriots than it did to Brady. So. Brady is one of the handful of athletes who's redefining longevity in sport mm. and to a degree I think Roger Federer is part of that and there's um, there's uh, a winter sports champion who's another part of that and I think there's a little bit of looking and seeing and just redefining what's still possible in an athlete's 40s and it, so I, I think it's it, I think it's the greatest chapter of his career at 43 after two decades and all the success he had with the Patriots to go to a new team which is not a successful franchise and lead them to the Super Bowl in their hometown. Uh, it's, it actually is quite astounding and he has 
he's got better as the season has gone on and some of that is self-evident and some of it is counterintuitive. At 43, you would expect an athlete to tire the longer a season went. But what's been self-evident is as he has learnt and implemented the new system with his offence and it is a hugely system-based sport. He, he not only has thrived, but he's got a team who's now won seven in a row and, and caused a number of upsets which really do have them in, in a shape where they're a, they're a contender against and the Chiefs are the best team in football uh, quite clearly but the Bucks are not heavy underdogs in this game. Yeah, uh, fascinating, particularly when you, you cast your, your mind back to the pre-season setups, and they didn't have their usual OTAs, I think they call it, in the pre-season competitions for obvious reasons. He was holding private little sessions with his wide receivers. It might have been three or four of them, and it was captured with helicopter vision and things like that. So <laughs> just the methodical nature of the way that he prepares is... He's unbelievable, and he's yeah, he's worth two hundred and fifty million, Jared. He's got six yeah. rings, and he's he's done everything. I, I I just not sure we've ever seen an athlete, perhaps LeBron James, in the conversation that is wired like this guy is. Yeah, and there have been stories this week that uh, his family has gone away for the twelve days in preparation to this Super Bowl, so that he's um, he's <laughs> completely free to obsess over his football mm. preparation. And it, it is—it's the one great counter in the game. Is no one would underestimate Brady anymore because he would be—he will—he recognizes the opportunity that he's opened up for himself and for this team. And he's now talking this week about playing. Well, he was asked would he consider playing when he's 45 and he said he's absolutely open to that and why wouldn't he be and I did notice in the, the overnight stuff that's come through he's talking about this team will be substantially better next year so he's already cast an eye through what happens on on Sunday in America and then um, absolutely believing that they'll they'll be better they're an attractive proposition to go and play there so yeah he's he is redefining a lot of what we what we perhaps have imposed in sport for a long time, and maybe sports medicine plays a role in that. His obsessive nature is part mm. of that. But, yeah, if you're underestimating Tom Brady's skill, I'm afraid you haven't been paying attention. Mm. All that avocado ice cream that he's been eating, Jerry, is, <laughs> is certainly paying off. Might need to try that. So, that, so that's, that's the Brady side of things. But then we've got this mm. young phenomenon, like this young freak, which is what he is, and that's Patrick Mahomes you mentioned. Look, I don't give the Bucks a shot, Noticing just how potent their offense is, the Chiefs. How, how do you see the matchup unfolding? Yeah, so the Chiefs should be favourites, and they are. It's a bit surprising they're not heavier favourites, but that's the Brady factor. So they've won 25 of their past 26, which includes last year's Super Bowl. So they only lost one game this season. Mahomes is. So he, he is the, the one player in the next generation who has revealed himself really quickly to be capable of going and chasing the great records that Tom Brady has laid down. He, he's explosive and he has an incredible offense. He's got Tyreek Hill, who's the fastest mm. player in the NFL. He's the wide receiver who last year was talking about making a run at the Olympics after they'd won their Super Bowl title. And Travis Kelsey, who's their tight end, who I remember last year we were interviewing Rob Gronkowski, who'd retired from the Patriots, who'd joined the commentary team, and he said his favorite player was Travis Kelsey. And now they're mm. tight ends on opposite sides in this, uh, in this Super Bowl. So... 
Yes, we get this extraordinary moment in time where the greatest of all time comes up against the one player in the next generation who's revealed himself as being capable of chasing it all. And it is being framed around Mahomes is that if he doesn't beat Brady when he's in his 40s in this singular matchup, then he can never be considered the greatest of all time no matter what he goes on to mm. achieve so mm. think about what a high bar that is to set for a man in his early 20s and that's oh. what's been loaded into this game yeah uh, there's supposedly a bit of rain around and a bit of poor weather in fact it, it looks really ordinary the weather from from what i've heard and read now that can change of course still two days away does that favor brady do you think with where <laughs> he's played a lot of his footy in in new england Yes, but does it favour the rest of his team? Does it favour his receivers and his running backs? Probably not. So, yes, as Brady's played his football in Boston in in atrocious conditions a lot of Mm. times, so he's he's a wet track specialist, as we might say, but whether the rest of the team would be suited by that, I'm not sure. I... Because the Chiefs are so, there's sort of there's two um, notions that run through this. Is every Super Bowl opponent who's come up against Brady has said you just have to keep scoring points. No, no margin is safe, and I, and that's been proven to be true. And then you've got the Chiefs who are, who just score so devastatingly quickly. So they'll put 21 points up in a quarter and put a game away. So you've got those two lovely dynamics that that clash as well. So it it couldn't be better set. Um, I wish we were there for it. Mm. It'll be a hell of a spectacle. I think there's a rough chance that by the end of the year, this will be looked back as as one of the two or three biggest sporting events um, that there was. If, If it's even half a decent game, if it happens to be a classic game, I can see it instantly being... Um, being elevated to one of the greatest sporting events of all time. Can't wait for it. Nine o'clock Monday right here on 11.16. Uh, just a couple of other things. Wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on before we let you go as we, we move off the Super Bowl and you'll have plenty of time to, to preview that game from nine o'clock and give you tips and all those types of things. But um, you would have sat back and I, I know you'll speak about it when your program resumes on Tuesday, but the Collingwood situation and the Maguire press conference and the report... Um, how did you analyse that from, from your lounge chair at home? Yeah, well, it, it reached its zenith yesterday when the players released their statement and with a couple of days to contemplate how they felt about it, they started with sorry. And that was the only appropriate response. Mm. I, I'm surprised those who fronted the initial press conference didn't realise that that was the starting point. Um, but the players with a couple of days to maybe understand the the mood and the way that it landed and the significance of it and the the attitudes of a great many, they, they recognised what their role in it was and sorry was the only legitimate starting point. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised that that wasn't the initial starting point on Monday uh, and I'm not sure why. I think you could probably trace it a long way back and and think if Collingwood had actually got to the point of, of saying sorry to Heredia Lumumba when all of this began, is maybe they would have saved themselves an enormous amount of pain, but maybe they would have missed the revelations along the way. So mm. it, it's now it's now for them to, to prove the worth of the words from the players. Um, it's been a, a damaging week to the legacy of, of Eddie Maguire. I, I have watched as that, that a group of Collingwood members and not insubstantial group has come together under the banner of, I think it's Collingwood Fans Care, um, and have sort of been heartened to see that because if you are a follower of the club, 
and you are feeling that way, then um, then I'm not sure. So, yeah, I, I don't think the leadership distinguished itself on Monday. I think the players hit the right tone yesterday, and now it's, it's to be seen what happens as a result. Are they the biggest storyline this year, this this report aside, although you, you can't completely put it to the side, but from a football perspective, are they, are they the, the closest watch this year with Maguire, with Buckley, with the trade period, with where they're at? Yeah, they probably are, Kane. Um, they finished eighth, so they only just made uh, the finals last year. Notionally, they would have to improve to do that. They've jettisoned players who are in their starting lineup. Coaches in the final year of his contract, the president's on his way out. I think lame duck leadership is a really tough phase to be in in any walk of life. So, yeah, I imagine they are. If they start poorly, it's really easy to forecast what the conversations on the Monday of after round five are if they're one and four. And if they're four and one, as sport has a way of winning, covers a great many sins. And maybe the only way for Collingwood's recovery in the short term is through winning. So, yeah, is they through their own hands, have bought themselves this lot heading into 2021 and we will watch and, and frankly, we will judge. Well said, Jared. Thank you for joining us on the last day of what is your holidays. You'll be back with a bang from 9 o'clock on Monday. Cannot wait for it and, and we'll speak to you throughout the year, of course. It'll be exciting. We will have Larry Fitzgerald Sr. in the stadium in Robert James Stadium. Oh, he was great Bay. last so, year. He was, he was yeah. great last year, wasn't he? So we need a little bit of luck on the technology front, but he'll be in the stadium for us to give us the feel and we'll uh, we'll see how we go. It'll be great fun. Cannot wait for that. Jared Waitley with his coverage and our coverage of the Super Bowl with Larry Fitzgerald, who was, uh, is magnificent. Um, the emotion in his voice last year and, and the way that he speaks about the game is, is well worth listening as it sits. And then you get uh, one of the biggest matchups we have ever seen in world sport. Do you get into it? Do you like it? Do you understand it? Um, Super Bowl 55, will you be watching? Who's your tip? Uh, would love your thoughts on on all of that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Big show still to come. Uh, Cam Bancroft is going to join us from the Perth Scorchers. He was magnificent last night, wasn't he? They were, they were flying. And can anyone explain to me, I, I, I know it's the Duckworth-Lewis system and all of that, but would they make um, 180-odd off 18, yet the Brisbane Heat were required to make 200 off, off 18? I'm not sure how that sort of eventuated. It wouldn't have mattered because Perth were the better side, but another confusing aspect of the Duckworth-Lewis system last night. Brett Phillips with all the moving parts to the summer of tennis Australian Open kicking off on Monday. The draw now delayed until tomorrow. There's still one wild card left up for grabs. That'll go down between a couple of Australians. We'll find out about that um, and all the latest action there. And I am looking forward to speaking to Daniel Hoyne, who is... A good friend of the show and, and runs all things at Champion Data. They, they've been smashed as they have been from time to time, but it, I mean, it's not in a bad way. It's a good discussion. It means the season's not too far away. They released their elite player rankings on Champion Data. There were some confusing aspects to it. I'll put that to Daniel. And if you've got a question about their ratings, how it works, perhaps the way that they see the game trends going. They're all over all those types of things. So he's going to join us. And then the head of footy at Adelaide is Adam Kelly. Most importantly, though, plenty of time for your calls. 1300 736 736 is the number. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for Temper, a mattress like no other. Well, yes, we 
did it last week and love for you to get involved as well. It's where we get our legendary panel man, Johnny, to read out a statement and then we decide whether that statement, it'll be over or under. And we've got a nice little intro today, which I'm very pleased about. So let's get stuck into it with the first one. Mason Cox, Trav goes on, he can bounce the ball, he can lumber in, the big American, he's kicked the goal! Try and script that. The elite Mason Cox kicked just 11 goals in 2020. He will kick 20 goals this year. What do you reckon, Kane? Over or under? What do I reckon, Johnny? I was shocked that he was elite, averaged six disposals, 1.2 goals a game last year, three marks and 0.5 of a tackle. The most goals he's ever kicked in any one year is 25 in 2018. So I'm going to take the under for the elite Mason Cox. What's number two? Brady throws end zone. He's got Evans for the touchdown. Brady goes for the deep shot. He's got a touchdown. Scotty Miller. Oh, my gosh. Tom Brady averaged 2.1 passing touchdowns this season. He will throw for 2.5 touchdowns in Monday's Super Bowl. Over or under? Uh, pretty confident this one. I think it'll be under. So I don't think he's going to get the three passing touchdowns, two for the regular season. Unbelievable. I think it was 40 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Extraordinary numbers. But bit of weather around, bit of rain around. I think he throws for one. So I'm going to go the under. What's number three? And he, oh, now this is going to... That's my motion. What are you talking about? No, no, no. My motion starts here, mate. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. Get, get him out. This was an inevitable conflict. Yep. And considering the position he's in, he's going to stop playing, okay? So we're going to have a... No, I don't understand it. That's why we're going to have the supervisor making an appearance out here. Nick Kyrgios' best finish at an Australian Open was the quarterfinals 2015. He will win 2.5 games at this year's Australian Open. Over or under? Uh, will he make it to the third round? Well, he'd, he'd want to, Um it is very dependent on the draw, clearly, which will happen. And until we see that, it's hard to, hard to say. He's unseated. He's 47th in the world, I think, at the moment. So every chance he could draw a very good opponent, Dominic team. He could even get Novak. I'd love to see that. I'm going to go the under for Nick Kyrgios. I think he bows out in the second round. Let's get to number four, footy theme. At any point in time, there's only one club that can win it, and the other 17 are chasing him. And we're part of the 17 that are chasing right now, and... I'm excited by what I'm what I'm seeing, albeit I'm still not certain until we start playing games against other clubs uh, where that's going to take us. Kane, Hawthorne won five of 17 games in 2020. They will win 5.5 games in 2021. Over or under? As you know, I'm a bit pessimistic about the Hawks this year. I'm, I'm worried about them, but... Six games. They'll, they'll win six games. So I'm going to go the over for the Hawks. I think um, whilst they have a lot of issues and they're going to be nowhere near challenging for the top eight, I think they get to seven or eight wins. You know, you probably give Clarko three himself just for his coaching now. So that one, I am going to take the over, Johnny. The Australian Boomers announced its 24-man Olympic squad this week. 
they will win a bronze medal at the Olympics. Kane, over or under? Well, this is amazing. I, I love the squad. I thought all the NBA players had put their hands up, and I thought if everyone of this 24 now, the, the squad's going to be cut down to 12 before they go, so a lot are going to miss out. But the NBA contingent with this was, was unbelievable. What a side they've got. And then I read that the Aussies are third in the world right now, in the world basketball rankings, which which blew me away. So had to look this up. The USA clearly number one. Spain are number two. And Argentina, who's been historically really strong, Australia actually above them at the moment, so they're third. Look, I'm not certain that Ben Simmons is going to go. I think he may pull out at the last minute, which would be disappointing. I, I don't think they get a bronze medal, so I'm going to go the under if that's the right way. I think they may play off for a bronze medal against Argentina or Serbia and lose, so I'm going to go the under. That was over and under. It's time now for the news headlines. We'd love for you to get involved. Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Yeah, big show still to come. Cam Bancroft's going to join us from the Perth Scorchers. Looking forward to doing that. All the latest moving parts with the Australian Open. Brett Phillips is our tennis expert. He's going to join us. And then Daniel Hoyne from Champion Data. If you've got a question about how they come up with these AFL rankings... Let me know. Plenty of time for your calls as well. Lines available. We will do that. But I said it was going to be a bit of a Super Bowl theme this morning. We've spoken to our man on the street, Jared Waitley, who's going to call all of the action from Melbourne. But let's go all the way to Tampa and speak to a guy by the name of Pat Donovan. He's host at 95.3 WDAE in Tampa, and he's host of the Pat and Aaron Show. He's been good enough to give us his time. Pat, thank you so much for joining us all the way over here in Australia. Yeah, no problem. It's great to be on. Hey, um, we're we're a couple of days out, and it's it's different. Clearly, we all understand that. Can can I get the feel from Tampa on how the build up has been? Yeah. So when it comes to some of the festivities that we're used to around the Super Bowl, you know, there's parties in the host city every year, and the NFL Experience and Radio Row. Those things are all different. Uh, there are no parties for the most part. Radio Row, you know, we were there again today. There were less than 10 radio stations from around the country there today when usually there are, you know, upwards of 100. And every time you turn around, there's a Hall of Fame athlete or a celebrity or somebody like that walking by as opposed to just about everybody over this week has been over the phone. So it's very different. The atmosphere around the city is electric because this is the first NFL team to host a Super Bowl and play in it. So the people here are excited, but everything's just a little bit different. Everything's a little bit weird. Give us the view on the weather. Uh, We're hearing, we're reading, it's going to be wet. It might be a little bit wet. I think the field's going to be in pretty good shape by the time the game begins. I think I saw today from one of our local meteorologists that only like a 10% chance of rain when you get to game time. So there might be a little bit ahead of time. Uh, when the ball is kicked off, there shouldn't be a ton of, of moisture in the air, and, and it should be a pretty well-played game when it comes to the turf. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to be a sloppy, rainy game or anything like that. So take me back. Uh, you're in Tampa. You follow the Bucks, of course. Um, when it was announced that Tom Brady at age might have been 42 at the time, had, had signed with them. Were, were you optimistic that it, things could go well or were you pessimistic about his time left in the game? 
No, I was very optimistic. And really? it's because the guy is as, as good as they get. And honestly, he's better than I realized. Um, and, and I knew he was good. I knew he was probably the best ever. And I think the series kind of proven that, right? Because, you know, not only has he done it once again in New England, oh, you know, in a system that he's been in forever and all those things that, you know, we're used to seeing with the Patriots, but now he's decided at 42, now 43 years of age, that he's going to switch teams, have to learn an all new offense, all new teammates, all the things that come along with moving your family to a new city. And then we have the pandemic. So, you know, after the NFL draft every year, you get your, your rookie mini camp and your quarterback usually shows up to introduce himself to the kids, but you get your rookie mini camps and then your OTAs and mini camps and all these things that lead up to the season to help prepare a team that didn't happen or only happened virtually. Even training camp was shorter than normal years. So he didn't have the normal off season to get accustomed to the playbook, to his teammates and all these things. And still, here he is back in the Super Bowl. It's truly remarkable. Mm. It, it, it is crazy. It's it's hard to imagine a, a, an athlete having a career like that ever moving forward. I'm not sure we'll ever see it again. So we'll talk a lot about Brady, clearly, and he's the story of this side. Some of their other stars, um, can you fill us in on some names that perhaps we don't talk enough about and we may be talking about post-Monday should the Bucks get up? Yeah, there's no question, you know, offensively, probably the deepest receiving core in all of football. When you talk about Mike Evans, who has had a thousand yards for seven consecutive seasons, the first NFL wide receiver passing Randy Moss this season to do that. Uh, Chris Godwin, uh, uh, the young kid across from him, second round pick from a few years back is fantastic as well. And then, you know, they brought in Antonio Brown this Mm -hmm. season and Antonio Brown's a guy who has, Uh, as much talent as anybody in the league has been the best receiver in this league at times found himself out of the league for a while because he's had some off the field issues kind of doesn't know how to act like a human being sometimes, but since he's been in Tampa Bay, he's, he's been okay. So we're, we're thrilled that he hasn't done anything crazy and he looks like he's going to be on the football field Sunday. So they've got this deep group of receivers and then, uh, there's some unknown stars, I guess, maybe internationally anyways, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, including uh, number 45 right in the middle, Devin White, you know, just his second year in the league, has already become one of the best defensive players in football. So their opposition is going to be the Chiefs. Uh, it, uh, amazing story, really. Nothing would surprise you in uh, 2020, 21, but take us through the, the haircut appointment that almost derailed the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy, right? They had one of their backup centers uh, sitting down for a haircut, and uh, the barber, they just, you know, not that long ago, decided to start allowing barbers back into team facilities and different things, you know, different uh, massage people uh, back into facilities and, and, you know, different services that for a long time during the season weren't allowed. They just recently allowed that again, and, and there was a guy in the middle of, performing haircuts for the Kansas City Chiefs got about two guys in when they ran in uh, the Chiefs that is after finding out that he had tested positive for COVID uh, and basically shut it down and and uh, the, the biggest star is the quarterback Mahomes he, he was next in line or, or certainly in line to, to receive a haircut as well I'm not sure what would have happened um, it, it appears that the disaster's been avoided but uh, are these players where are they now? Are they locked in their homes to make sure that no positive tests, I guess, happen before Monday? I'm not sure what the NFL would do. 
Yeah, no, they're not locked in their homes because they're practicing. They're getting ready mm. for the game on Sunday. And, again, we talked about how different things are this year. Normally, the Kansas City Chiefs, if this was a normal year, they'd already be in Tampa Bay. We would have had media night earlier this week, and we would have all – you know, we would have all been around these guys and all that, but they won't arrive here in Tampa Bay for the game until Saturday, just the day before the game. And again, that's how drastically different it is. But guys are practicing; they're at their team facilities every day. But the NFL has done a pretty good job this year, and certainly, I know uh, they're you know they're under even more precautions right now, especially to make sure that the stars in this game uh, are not impacted by COVID before Sunday. Pat. Donovan joins us all the way from uh, Tampa ahead of Super Bowl 55, which is Monday Australian time. What about some of the, the spectacles that we'll see in the stadium? Is it is a big pirate ship we hear? What's that all about? Yeah, there is a pirate ship in, in one end zone. And typically what happens when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play at home is they'll fire the cannons that are in the, the you know, that are in the pirate ship whenever the Buccaneers enter the red zone, which is, uh, inside the 20-yard line when you're close to scoring. Um, and then whenever they score a touchdown or a field goal, a field goal being three points, they'll, they'll fire the cannons three times, or a touchdown is six points, they'll fire it six times, and then one uh, for the extra point after that. So they, it's just kind of part of the atmosphere of the team that's themed after pirates in a city that has a pirate history. Uh, you know, they, they really in, incorporate that pirate ship, but they won't be doing that during the Super Bowl. I think the NFL has decided they're going to try to find a way to use them they're not going to use them in a pro Buccaneer way because even though it is in our backyard, even though it is in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers home stadium, they're trying to still keep it looking as neutral and sounding and feeling as neutral as humanly possible. Before we let you go, Pat, can I have your tip for the game and then the Super Bowl MVP? It's, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine the Bucks winning without the Super Bowl MVP being uh, Tom Brady, although mm. watch out for the young man I mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, Devin White. I wouldn't be surprised if he did something special if the Bucks were to win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a Buccaneers win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that, you know, the, the narrative about this game is real. And, you know, the narrative is that it's, it's the greatest quarterback of all time against a young kid who's so damn good, he might one day be better. And it's, you know, it's the kind of storyline the NFL wants to write, and it's a real one. And I think these two quarterbacks know that. I think these two teams know that. And I think they come out firing, and I think it's an offensive football game with both these quarterbacks showing why the discussion is what it is around the both of them. Fascinating chat, mate. I'm going to take we, the Bucks, by the way. 38-34. Sorry. Uh, we, the we, final score. 38-34. Uh, I got the Bucks. <laughs> and Brady is the MVP, mate. Fascinating stuff. We can't wait for it. We love it over here, and we appreciate you joining us this morning. Anytime, my friend. Check him out. You can down the you'd have a podcast, the Pat and Aaron show. If you love his work, of course, Pat Donovan is his name. Joining us from Tampa, he's picking the Bucks and Tom Brady as the Super Bowl MVP uh, this Sunday. You can listen to this as your sporting life. I'm interested in this one, Andrew Bogut. Um, plenty of headlines around Bogut in his time and a fascinating story. So that one's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. It's 12 minutes to 11 o'clock to tune in to that it will feature our next guest who was amazing last night as were his fellow batsman cam bancroft is his name from the perth scorchers he joins us hey cam uh, congratulations firstly mate for your form and, and thanks for joining us this morning no nah, no problem thank you mate appreciate it uh, they sent you in were you surprised uh 
the you mean uh, the heat did or yeah last night yeah um yeah not not surprised at all um the the last couple of games the at um Monica Oval the the dew's been a bit of a uh, bit of a factor I think mm. in, in the way the games have panned out um, particularly the team batting second um, it certainly looked a lot easier to to bat um I don't know if it's because it was really cloudy or whatever last night but um it didn't it was a bit more even of a contest throughout the um throughout the game so um yeah look we, we didn't have a great record uh Monica up until last night but um yeah we're able to rectify it when it mattered most which is good I'm fascinated by the, the tactics of it because you opened up with Liam Livingston of course and basically from ball one you went is that a conscious decision prior to the innings or is that something that you get a feel for when you're out there um, yeah, I think it goes a lot on on feel. Um, you know, Livo uh, just he just had a he had an unbelievable day out last night. Um, he you know he tends to play that way um, anyway. Um, um, I'm probably a little bit more measured than uh, a traditional than what um, Livo is, but um, mm. yeah, look, he just had a he just had a great day, and um, you know, um, I just had to compliment what what he was doing. Um, he you know he really took down. Schwetzen and Lavashane spinners um, quite a lot, so um, yeah. Look, he, I think he's been really building to to an innings like that. Um, but you know, it's just able to, to to set us up really well, and um, you know, post a post a score that was you know probably a little bit too difficult to chase in the end. Perth Scorchers through to the BBL final. Cam Bancroft, our guest, he made fifty eight from forty two, including four uh, four six fours, I should say, last night. Um, it, I was watching at home, and you you get to 189 off 18.1 overs. Then rain hits, and all of a sudden the Heat have to make 200 off their 18. Are you as confused by this system as the rest of us are? Um, oh yeah, it, I don't really understand it. Um, yeah. yeah, just as a player, you kind of you kind of just um, you know you sit there and, and wait for the for the numbers to come through, and it can mm. be a little bit of a lottery, really. But um, yeah, well, actually, even obviously, we're, as a team, we weren't really complaining that they had to chase 200 no. off 18. But um, yeah, there was a part of me that that was sort of thinking, like, well, yeah, like we were um, 180 odd or whatever after 18 overs, and we got an extra 20 runs, um, uh, and they had to chase in the same score. But yeah, I think the method behind it is a. Um, if we were to keep going, we would have made a bigger, bigger total um, had we known potentially mm-hmm. that we were going to bat for 18 overs. So I think it takes into account all those sorts of things, but it certainly is um, complicated beyond, um, yeah, beyond what I know. So um, I guess I'll just leave that to the to the powers that be that deal with those things. No, that's okay. I understand completely. You actually explained it pretty well. Um, the success of the Perth Scorchers is is amazing really and and I love this grand final because it is against the two most successful sides so you've won it three times twice runner up the Sickness have won it twice twice runner up and um, so it's been the two most successful franchises is there something within the culture of the Scorchers that makes it that you're basically always competing at the top um, oh, I think we uh, I think winning and um, winning titles is um you know, it's a it's a habit as much as um, I guess you know, um, you know as, as much as losing can and, and trying to fight your way to to win titles and um, you know because we've started this ta- um, this competition so well since it began um, you know I feel like we've just really carried that belief 
year after year and um you know even in times where we've underperformed um you know we've always i guess really reflected on well you know hang on we're we're actually a really successful franchise and we've got a lot of um consistent players that have been a part of that time and um you know that's something to be proud of but something to give us confidence so um, i think all those things have been a part of why um you know we've been able to be as competitive as we have done for such a long time but um yeah it's certainly been a pretty incredible 10 years and hopefully we can add another one to the to the list on, on the weekend that would be nice well that's the plan now you're a late inclusion for jason roy and you did as much as you could have done is is he going to be fit and are you confident that you'll hold your spot and when will you find out that decision um yeah not a hundred percent sure um I think uh, the physios and medical people involved will monitor him. Um, yeah, I know he was a little bit sore, but I also know that he'll be doing what he can to give himself a chance to play. Um, and yeah, I, I guess um, you know, for me, I'll just try and um, just try and be ready in case um, you know, in case uh, you mm. know, I need to, to play a role like I did on the weekend. But um, yeah, I know Jace will be desperately wanting to play. He's been. Um, you know, he's played some good knocks for us. Um, he's a very good cricketer. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Well, good luck, mate. Congratulations on your form last night and getting the side through. And I hope it goes well for you against the Sixers on Saturday night. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cam Bancroft, our guest this morning. It'll be the Sydney Sixers taking on the Perth Scorchers from the SCG. Uh, 740 local. Top at 27 degrees and partly cloudy tomorrow. Top at 25. Right now it's 26 degrees and Waitley returns Monday on SEN. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Coins. Yes, uh, welcome in. If you're just tuning in to us, busy morning. We've chatted about Nick Kyrgios. We've spoken about the mistakes sports people make that they should just never make, like kicking into the man on the mark when you're playing footy. You spoke to Jared Waitley about the Super Bowl. You hear that on SEN at uh, 9 o'clock on Monday morning. Extensive coverage of that. Um, spoken to Cam Bancroft from the Perth Scorchers and taken a lot of your calls, which we will continue to do for however I'm on, however long I'm on the radio for. And we get to text as well. So this is a very good explanation in regards to the Duckworth-Lewis system, which confused a lot of us last night. Perth batted expecting to bat for 20 overs, so they kept resources intact, i.e. nine wickets. Because of that, if they knew they were only going to face 18.1 overs, they would have batted differently and made more runs in those overs. Hence, the Brisbane run chase being revised up. Thank you. I also asked you what household appliance has been really good to you on the back of my coffee machine dying a slow and painful death after 11 years. Kane, last year I retired my Phillips Croc Odile slow cooker after a wedding gift in 1979, I kept the ceramic pot for a pot planter, says Julie. That's amazing, Julie. 1979. Uh, and over or unders, we played that game as well for 50-meter penalties in round one on the back of the new man-on-the-mark rules. Well, there's going to be plenty of those. Speaking of plenty, there's going to be plenty of tennis games today. Um, it looks as though it's all going to go ahead, so who better to get on once again, the now tennis expert. Thanks to Collings. If you're buying or selling or leasing, call 9486 2000 or visit collings.com.au. BP, thank you for joining us again. 
Yeah, thank you, Kane. Just watching Ash Barty at the moment, uh, of course, with eight matches to be played on Margaret Court Arena today, uh, doing a nice job at the moment. It's not perfect, but she's building and building nicely. Uh, the world number one, seven five two one. She's leading uh, the American uh, Shelby Rogers, who did make the quarters of the US Open last year. Been a pretty solid tour player, a few injuries across the journey, but Ash is doing enough, Kane. And uh, Jordan Thompson's out on court. Tight first hit in his match. Uh, Kyrgios and Bolt and Popperin. Quite a few in action today as we uh, play catch-up. Heavens haven't opened at this stage, but yeah. they're expected to at some point. There's a few contingencies with the indoor courts that might have to be utilised. Crowds in attendance, BP or not? Pretty sparse, yeah. No, it's mm. been like that. Uh, been like that all week, uh, to be honest. Yeah, so obviously, you know, a lot of people back to work, back to school. Uh, uh, the tickets have been pretty cheap, $20, I've got to say. Um, I haven't minded floating around the venue with... Uh, less people you can just sort of grab a seat anywhere and take in a lot of the outside courts and just get a, a good up close look at the australians in particular but yeah hopefully um i'm sure by monday we'll start to feel like a grand slam even though it won't be the uh, the normal crowds yeah so the next step to that is is uh, releasing the draw now that's been delayed uh, when do you expect the draw to happen yeah, they haven't given a, an absolute set time. It'll be this afternoon at some point. So, yeah, I think around about maybe 4, 5 o'clock we'll, uh, we'll see the draw uh, come through, which we always ag- eagerly anticipate, uh, particularly mm. from an Australian's point of view, who the, the matchups will be. And then uh, it'll be decided tomorrow, which half of the draw will start on Monday and the other half on Tuesday. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what we've got in store a little bit later on and trying to get through the matches. The ATP Cup is on at the moment as well. So Spain and Greece uh, playing a big tie on Rod Laver Arena. No Rafael Nadal again. I'd suggest if France uh, perhaps get into the... Uh, sorry, France. Spain get into the semis in the final. We might see Rafa um, come the weekend and they should beat Greece uh, today uh, in that matchup. And I think we'll probably see Rafa roll around because you'll need you know a match or two prior to the Australian Open. So... Yeah, all the all that to play in. Australia only had a very slim chance of making the mm. uh, the semi-finals, so it probably doesn't quite point to Australia being there. No, it doesn't. Um, just just back on the draw. So there's one wild card spot available, if I'm correct in saying that. Now that's a ticket for a hundred grand, basically. Who's it down to for that last spot? <laughs> well. Uh, Lee, too. We've spoken about him quite a bit. We've had him on the radio. This uh, amazing story from uh, Adelaide, who had a very good junior pedigree and then decided to sort of walk away as a youngster from uh, the battles of the ITF tour and has set up a, a really good coaching business in Adelaide, still been playing a little bit. And then when they created the UTR series, so for all the Australians who were stuck at home in the second half of 2020, he was the best performer. Uh, so he's come from nowhere and 24 years of age. I mean, he has uh, played some outstanding tennis. So he'd earned it on merit. He has no official ATP ranking, uh, mm. but 100,000 to kickstart his career again came would be uh, just an unbelievable story. And he, you know, it'd be a guy, depending on the matchup, you know, could be uh, a chance to uh, sort of sneak a victory in round one. The other one that I'm hearing in contention is Luke Seville, uh, the young Australian who's been a former world uh, junior number one. Uh, he's qualified for Wimbledon. He's sort of more focused on his doubles at the moment with Max Purcell having made the Australian Open final last year, but he still wants to be a singles player. So I believe it comes down to those two South Australians. All right. Well, what's the hottest ticket there today where you are, I guess, anytime Nick Kyrgios uh, plays, there's always interest in him. Who's he up against? 
Up against Bourne at Chorich. Uh, they've met a few times uh, before. Chorich, uh, obviously, has been uh, top 20, just outside the top 20 at the moment. So that'll be the toughest matchup so far uh, for Nick uh, during this Melbourne Summer Series. Uh, Alex Bolt, really keen to see how the uh, South Aussie goes against Stan Vavrinka. We know Stan's mm. uh, resume in tennis. So another big opportunity for Bolt. And I'd, I think I've said it myself and also have seen it a couple of times written by a couple of journalists the other day. They can't believe Alex Bolt hasn't been in double figures in the uh, in the rankings, so it's an opportunity for him. But gee, the draw cards on Margaret Court Arena today: Barty now, Sophia Kennan, last year's winner, up against Garbinia Muguruza, the runner-up. You got Serena Williams, uh, Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka, Alina Svitolina. So, if you're in Melbourne town today, and want to sneak down to the tennis, the roof will be closed. They'll get eight matches in, and you're seeing some absolute top quality for twenty dollars. Good on you, mate. Look forward to chatting to you throughout the weekend and across the two-week Australian Open, kicking off Monday. Fingers crossed. Indeed. Thanks, Kate. Thanks to Collings. If you're thinking of buying, selling or leasing, call 94862000 or visit collings.com.au. Let's get the latest on all the sporting events right in front of us with our Bet Deluxe cross to Paul Sebastiani. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, that it is. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to you, Paul. Hey, hey Kane. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. Hey, hot weekend of racing. Take us through all the action at Caulfield tomorrow. I'm round of two for golf at Club Mandalay and a double pass to the CF4 Stakes to give away before the show finishes at 12 o'clock today. Our next guest has been good enough to come on. He's the head guy the head honcho from champion data and during the week they released their rankings as as we tend to do it's good news because it means the footy season isn't too far away but it always causes a stir and this year was no different with the elite player rankings daniel hoyne from champion data joins us hoyne thanks for your time buddy g'day kane there you go I know uh, you released these to the media. You've probably had them at your disposal for some time now, and it's probably ongoing week to week with you, but you release them officially to the media, and then I guess you sit back and you hold your breath and you wait for a barrage of criticism and debate. Is that how it goes? <laughs> no, pretty much spot on, Kane. No, it's all good fun. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, I think, you know, I think me and you have had this conversation before. There's, um, I think when anyone does it, any form of list, um, sort of, you know, rating at all, you know, whether that's Robbo's top 50 or mm. or this or, you know, whoever that is, it, it always creates great debate and that's why uh, that's why we enjoy it, I, I guess. And I do like the fact that you always front up and, and explain the system. So for those that would just look at this list and they would see, I don't know how many it was in the end, 20-odd elite players in the comp, they think, well, how does that work? How does it work? Because they're ranked against their position. They're not a ranked against, you know, a midfielder's not ranked against a, a tall defender. Can you just explain quickly how you um, come to these decisions? Yeah, so basically what these ratings are, yes, yeah, so this, this is just based purely on the 2020 season. Um, so it compares, compares position against position, if you like. So the top 10% of players in each position um, get categorised um, in the elite bracket. The top 11 to 35% get categorised in the above average bracket and so on from there. So um, it's, it, it's, been, um, it's been our method, um, if you like, for, for a number of years now. There's a more, um, you know, more in-depth sort of you know, calculator formula um, you know, that we've been, 
sort of you know working behind the scenes on over the last couple of years to sort of you know be able to compare players um, across um, across across each position um, mm. rather than just by position by position. But the shortened game time last season um, just um, unfortunately just threw our data out, so we had to just keep it really simple this year and just base it all on 2020 um, data and just um, and just position by position. So there's a couple of players that caused a stir. We might we might just work through a couple of those if we can. Probably the biggest one was was Mason Cox. And if you if you look at his numbers, just the basic numbers of it, you know, a, a goal just over per game, six possessions, three marks, half a tackle. Um, how did that spit out that he was elite? Can you explain that in part for us? Yeah, so that's um, yeah, so that's a really interesting one um, on our end. So these ratings are based off the AFL player ratings, and what mm. and what that does that takes into account um, how you win it, where on the ground you win it, and what you do with it. So it's really measuring impact, if you like. Mm. So you know, players that are winning the ball in contested possessions in a dangerous part of the ground and then you rate it really highly as opposed to those that are winning uncontested, going sideways or lateral or not really having that impact, um, you know, from a positive sense. Um, and the other thing too is accuracy. Accuracy, um, you know, gets gets treated, um, you know, harshly, if you like, either, either in a, uh, a positive sense or a negative sense. So Mason Cox, um, he, his accuracy last year, I think, was the second or third best in the competition. Mm. He doesn't win too much of his ball, but when he does, it's contested possessions. And because he plays in that as that key forward, it's, it's contested possessions in dangerous parts of the ground. Um, but then more to the point is just his accuracy in front of goal um, was so was so strong last year that his ratings um, these you know these ratings get increased. So. Um, you know, knowing the formula, you know, you can look at a Mason Cox and and um, and absolutely, you know, people would be surprised. I was surprised as well. Um, but then, sort of, you know, understanding the formula, um, you know, whether or not you agree with it or not, mm. it's a different story. But um, but that was the reason. I mean, if he's if he's accuracy dropped back to the AFL average, um, yeah, you know, given that he doesn't win too much um, of the ball, his rating would slip down, um, you know, quite dramatically as well. I think that understands it reasonably well. Um, the, the other one for me, I. I've watched Zach Fisher play from car, and every time I watch him play, uh, this guy could be could be anything. Now, we would all agree he hasn't put it together consistently. Still, relatively young in his footy career, but he's come out as elite. And some Carlton fans will think, "Well, yeah, there's there's talent there, and yeah, some of the things he does, no one else can do." But elite, what what are the standout positives to his game? So he's he's ground ball play, if you like, in the forward half of the ground is um is probably his number one asset, um you know, and probably was his number one asset, um if you like, last year he was the second best ground ball player inside fifty in the competition last year. So again, if you get back to that model of um you know you know winning the ball, how you're winning it, and mm. and if you're winning it in dangerous areas, he's winning it at ground level in the front half of the ground, which is really hard to do. Um, and then, you know, his, his pressure side um, of the game is actually quite strong um, and averaging 13 disposals for his, for his position on, on top of how he's actually winning it um, is the reason why he actually rated so so highly um, in mm. these ratings. Yeah, we could go through a number of individuals. I guess for me, the, the most glaring omission, and you've probably explained it already, is that it was just based on 2020. He didn't have a great year, but for me, Toby Green's an elite player and I, I can't you know, stomach that he's not, but based on the fact that it was this year, I thought he was targeted heavily from the opposition. He had some injury concerns, only played the 13 games, but you'd expect Toby Green to jump back in. I did notice that the Giants had five or six rated elite last year and just the one 
this year. So they probably suffered the most out of any one team. Yeah, no, spot on, Kane. So I mean, if we if if we had had our formula, which takes into account a, a three year period, if you mm. like, there's no um, there's no question that Toby Green um, would have been rated elite. I think he's one of the best. I think he's been one of the highest rated small forwards um, since 2016, since he moved into that um, into that small forward role. And if you look at what he did up until about round six or seven this year, um, after that Richmond game, he was the number one rated small forward in the competition. Um, and then, yeah, I think you know a few things of you know probably mainly injury, if you like. He only kicked, you know, kicked three goals in his next seven games um, mm. to finish the season. So, but I mean, yeah, if we if we take that three year sample like we usually do prior to this year, um, you know, there's no question that he's rated in that um, elite bracket as well. Daniel Hoyne joins us from Champion Data. I want to move on from the elite ratings. It was, it was out a couple of days ago, and, and I think people get a little bit tired of it. And as you've explained pretty well, it, it's subjective and it's based on a one-season formula. Can I move to the trends of the game, like, a, and how stats have evolved? Um, you know, I remember back when I was playing, we used to put a heavy emphasis on how many inside fifties you got, and and that was an indicator of whether you win or lose. It, it's not that anymore. We used to put an emphasis on clearances and just the total number of clearances one now teams and you probably don't care much about clearances and inside 50s anymore it's the depth of the inside 50 it's whether you're scoring from those stoppages and what you're doing how's it evolved the game over the last couple of years i think it's um i think i think now that we're you know we've got the ability to be able to you know dig deeper if you like into into exactly what's happening um you know in, in the game whereas you know probably 10 15 years ago it was really at a at a superficial level if you like so it, it, it's it's basically you know how how you score and how and how you actually defend the opposition so mm-hmm. it's as you just said there you know you know from the clearance point of view Winning the clearances is really important to be able to, you know, gain that territory, um, you know, advantage if you like, and that's been so important over the last, you know, best part of a decade now is being able to play the game in your forward half. But being able to get the return um, on the scoreboard if you like, and we saw with Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide have been able to play a really strong forward half game for a number of years, but they haven't been able to get the return on the scoreboard from that dominance as what they did last year, um, mm. if you like. Um, and then, and then probably the other thing too is, it, and it all comes back down to ball movement as well. How, how you actually defend the ball movement and how you actually move the ball yourself. If you can't defend it, you're in trouble, and if you can't move it, you're in you're in significant trouble as well. So um, it, it, everything else in terms of you know contested possessions, the clearances, the inside fifty numbers, and all that sort of stuff that tells you um, a story enough, if you like. But the real in-depth story is okay. What sort of return are you getting from? Um, are you getting from those raw numbers, if you like? Mm. Is there a team, and, and you'll look at the teams, as you do everything, but you'll look at where the teams rank. A lot of teams try and copy each other, to use the most simplistic term, or, or copy aspects of successful teams. Is there a team out there, a coach, that you admire from what you've seen in the numbers that's doing it their own way? And and that's to be admired. I'm pretty simple to copy someone, but to do it your own way, like Clarko's done and and Hardwick in yeah. his own way, and Geelong. Is there someone that's trying to do it their own way? I think um, I think the one that really stands out in our mind um, in recent times was Adam Simpson in 2018. 
Um, you know, all, all the rage after Hall, after Richmond won that 27 premiership was, you know, with those small forward tie pressure, quick game style was, you know, is, is that the way that the game's going? And and Simpson just, you know, it looked like from our end that Simpson implemented a, a game style that actually suited his list with the tools that, you know, that will play a kick mark game as opposed to the, you know, chaotic frenzy Richmond style, if you like, and that one on the flag. And I think, I think, you know, looking at it, you know, for a number of years now, the the key is really is just implementing a style that suits your list, not 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 implementing a style that that the rest of the of the competition are implementing, but you might not have the list to be able to do that. So, um, I, you know, I think if you look at Port Adelaide, but they keep it really simple with you know a really strong stoppage contest game that suits those individuals of Rockliffe and Boke and all these guys as well. Richmond play you know a, a quick game that obviously suits their list. The dogs are, are are really different to what the competition is doing in terms of you know that high kick marking game. They like to flick the footy around by hand, take the game on, be really aggressive in their approach. So. Um, I, I think the key is, um, you know, with everything, is just implementing a style that suits your list. If you do that, I think um, I think that there's no right or wrong. So with these, before we let you go, with the individual ratings, as you said, you know, everyone will do their top 50s and there'll be lists, lists left, right and centre. From your rankings, who's the number one player in the game? Oh, I think that you can't go past Dusty um, mm. at the moment, and 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 for us, you know, for us, we've got Nick Natanui number one, um, and Dusty uh, number two or number three um, at the moment. Obviously, Dusty's finals record through the roof, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I think it's, I think, I think for impact on matches, I think that you probably can't go past those two, Dusty and Nick Nat. So, so Natanui's number number one, and and I I think that's about right. I think I thought his impact. The way that he plays, the weapon he is at centre bounce. He had an extraordinary year last year, but so so your figures would say that he'll come out as the most important player in the game. Yeah, he he'll come out um, he'll come out as having um, the most impact um, mm. on matches, if you like. Um, and and Dusty, I think Dusty comes out number two or number three, and then Christian Petraka from last year is going to be up there um, as well. Um, so and yeah, like, and these. Um, as we said before, you know these ratings are purely yeah. you know, basing um, you know on impact, not necessarily you know the amount of ball that you win. There's a lot of players out there that that win you know 25, 30 disposals that aren't actually rated highly um, in this system because of the impact that they have with those possessions. Whereas you know Nick Nat only has his eight, nine, ten, but uh, you know I think everyone agrees that the impact that he has on matches is um, is probably number one, or or if not, you know certainly top five in the competition. Good. Good on you, mate. Busy period for, for all of you and your colleagues at Champion Data. We, we really appreciate you coming on and, and you giving us your time this morning. No, no worries at all. There you have it. Daniel Hoyne from Champion Data. And I'm clearer now. Um, I'm... Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Let's whip straight into it. Rapid fire NFL themed Chad's Brothers Quiz this morning. Dean is in Elwood. He is going to get us underway. Dino, good day to you. G'day, Tan. Hate being first, but let's, let's do it. Love it. That's all right. There might be a few clues coming your way. Uh, this quiz, name the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, interesting note, he's also the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl at 36. Oh, God, you've gone with a hard one straight away. Um, no, I'm out. Gone. Oh, geez. So a bit, bit early for a clue. Didn't think it was that difficult, this one. So let's go to Jimmy's in Geelong. Hey, Jimmy, who's the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, I need a clue there. Thanks, Chad's brother. Uh, initials MT. 
Jason in Clyde. Four teams have never gone to the Super Bowl. One of them is the Cleveland Browns. I need two more. Uh, the Jaguars? Yep. And the Texans? Yes. Have a look at you. Just waltz in and answer half of the last question and win. That is how it's done. It is brutal, the quiz on this show. I'll put you back to Benny. Congratulations, you have won... Has he won? He's won the golf, hasn't he? Club Mandalay. It's removed from my screen, but I, th- I think he has. Or he's won a double to the CFL stakes. One of the two. Anyway, it's an outstanding prize. Um, young Jason, I'll put you back to Benny, and he will sort you out. Before we go, um, this morning we're going to hear from Adam Kelly from the Adelaide Football Club. There's uh, a bit of new information. He's actually in hotel quarantine after flying back from Perth with the AFLW team. So we'll get the latest on that situation unfolding. Also, they have 21 players out of contract, Adelaide, so how are they going to work their way through that? I'm interested to hear that from Adam Kelly. But I am also wanting to ask you, who is... So Brady's playing till he's 45, he reckons. We know LeBron James is 37, 36, and he doesn't look like he's going to stop anytime soon. Roger Federer is nearly 40. He keeps going. So they're the three big players from world sport that are playing well into their 40s, I think. That's what will happen. Dustin Fletcher was 40 when he retired. Now, I think he's the oldest. There may have been some VFL players back in the day that played longer than that. But 
Who's the modern day version from an AFL sense that's going to do a Brady, a Federer, or a LeBron James? Now, Sean Burgoyne's the oldest. He's 38. I think it's unlikely he'll go past this year. And you probably have to play a position that isn't as taxing with all due respect. So like a Harris Andrews who sort of marshals the troops in the back line and, and doesn't play midfield, doesn't cover massive ground and involved in collision after collision. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send us a temper text. The AFL player that is capable of playing into their 40s, if there is one, um, that temper text is for a mattress like no other. Pony coming up still on the captain's run before we hand you over to Dwayne's World. Uh, let's get to our next guest. Um, I think he's stuck in his house in hotel quarantine. He's the Crows head of football. His name is Adam Kelly. Uh, Adam, thanks for your time, mate. Good morning, Kane and Hazy. Am I correct morning, in mate. saying it must be day five or six of you still in quarantine? Yes, it's day five. It's easy to remember because that's the uh, second COVID test we have to undertake as a part of the self-isolation. So, yeah, day five, um, potentially nine to go. We'll, we'll wait and see what, what happens, particularly in WA, if they continue to have... Mm. Zero cases, which I have to this point. There could be some change there, but um, prepared to go the full full 14 days. Absolutely. Things should change. I know you've been pretty diplomatic about it. Um, so do the, do the testers come to your house, I guess? Do they, do they rock up on day five at your home? No, no. We go to a um, clinic to have the test done. Right. Uh, we just That's the only occasion in which we can get out of the house. We just have to wear masks um, to and from and, and go directly there and then return home. Adam, what's the daily fitness regime look like? Are you on social media? Are we going to see any videos? Yeah, I don't think anyone would want to see any <laughs> social media videos of me working out at the moment. Um, fortunately, we did put a gym in over the Christmas break, so I'm at least able to go and lift some weights. But, um, yeah, last night, myself, my son was kind enough to join me in the driveway. Um, he, he stood um, out at the front yard and counted how many times I went up and down the driveway. So... <laughs> I got got a few steps in yesterday, um, but yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been great to be honest. And looking forward to being able to get out and go for a run. Does it make you nervous with the the AFL season? Like just how much chaos is ensured by one case in WA um, and all of the the travelling party in quarantine and, and the girls and getting fitness equipment? Does it, does it make you a bit sceptical and nervous about what may happen come AFL time? Uh, I think what it does is it it reminds us that you know the the virus is very much still a, a threat to um, the industry and you know, when all states and territories have enjoyed you know, periods of zero cases, I, I think we can become relaxed about it and, and hopeful that it's not going to have an impact on the industry. But I think it just reminds us that it's still present and that 2021 um, will be affected in some respect. Um, and we just need to maintain the, the attitude that was um, prevailing in 2020. That is, we need to be flexible in the way in which the season is undertaken. And, um, yeah, we just need to be vigilant in everything we're doing to protect the health and safety of the players and our staff. We'll move on to a couple of other issues relating to the, the men's program. You, you did uh, finally sanction Josh Warrell. I think it was pretty pretty fair and um, pretty reasonable, the sanction on, on both parties. How did he accept that? And can I ask... Why it took you know six or seven weeks to get to that decision, which seemed pretty straightforward in the end. Yeah, I think look, it's just a, we had the break over the Christmas and New Year period, and it was important that we had Josh back and we're able to talk 
through that with him. So other than the Christmas period break, there was nothing um, nothing else that was sort of influenced that decision. And uh, Josh, right from the moment um, that the indiscretion occurred, and he, he has um, accepted full responsibility for, for what happened, has been extremely apologetic um, for that, and, and we'll learn from that. So um, we feel like the, the $2,000 fine and, and the need for the road safety education is an appropriate response. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. Um, I know you're sick of answering this question, but I'd be negligent if I didn't ask it. Tyson Stengel, can you give us an insight into what why it's taking so long? I know, I know you're at pains to speak about the in- intricacies of it, and I completely understand and respect that, but can you give the Crows fans an insight into why and who's involved in this negotiation about his future? Yeah. Um, first, first of all, with who's involved, it, it does involve um, the club, and you know when, when we talk about who's involved in the club, it's it's various persons. So, um, you know, the football department leaders, um, the board, the CEO, our player leaders, the, the playing cohort um, in general, you know, coaches. Look, we canvass the views of many to to understand. Um, how they're perceiving the situation and and what um, views they have on on the matter, um, and then you've got Tyson and his management, the AFLPA and the AFL, all um, having views on the matter, and it really is a, a serious matter, mm. and it needs a lot of due consideration and there's considerable discussion um, and care that needs to be taken so that we've got all the relevant information and understand the rights of each party and, and each party's perspectives before we reach a resolution. Um, the conversations continue. Um, they've been continuing this week. They'll continue next week. Uh, it's just really important that we take the time to make um, the best decision for the club um, and one that we think is is right for Tyson. Um, so, yeah, that, those conversations continue. But just highlighted is very serious matter um, and the indiscretions were significant that occurred through season 2020. No, well, that gives us a good insight and uh, appreciate that. In, were you happy, not happy, were you satisfied with his explanation and was he remorseful and do you think he explained it in full truth what went on? Because we, we don't have a lot of information. I mean, we, we know the issue with, with Brad Crouch and, and the drink driving one. The latest one, the third there's not a lot of information out there, and, and, and that's fine. But were you as a club happy with his explanation of the photo or whatever was alleged to have been seen by the club? Yeah, we were. Um, and we felt that you know, Tyson was honest with us about um, about the incident. And so, yeah, we, we don't have any, any concern there. Um, and you know, the ongoing sort of discussions are more centred upon um, the response to, I guess, the accumulation of incidents that occurred in 2020 um, and the impact that that's had on the football club, um, the reputational damage that um, has occurred, not only for the club, but also for Tyson. And, you know, that, that's where our, our thinking is at the moment about um, how we're going to manage our way through that. Let's move on to some footy issues. Um, you, The club revealed yesterday that there's a pre-season match between Port Magpies and yourself, February the 27th at 8.30. Now, that's going to feature a lot of your sample and second 
to your players, I guess. Will, will the AFL teams have a match after that game as well? Yeah, we're looking to... Um, two clubs are finalising some details around it, but the, the hope is that we'll have all of our AFL-listed players who are available on that day playing um, and topped up with the sample players, as we've just mentioned. So that, that's the plan at this stage, um, that we play that game, all those games down at Alberton, mm. um, and looking like we play two full games um, across the day. So I read that there's no fans, and it got me a bit fired up this morning as... Can tend to happen from time to time, Adam. I, I can't believe that would be the case. How you can have seven thousand go and watch the thirty sixes at the entertainment centre, and you can't have Crows and Port fans who are desperate to see their teams play at Alberton in the open air. Is that correct? And the second part is: Would you consider approaching the AFL to overturn that decision? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, we're was it a bit over, or almost three weeks away now until um, that practice match. So. You know, things things can change. Um, I think the events of the last week um, have heightened the concerns of the industry, and, and rightfully so. So, um, yeah, it's a bit hard to forecast out three weeks' time as to whether people would be allowed to come or not. Um, I know that you know we, we would like the fans to be able to come along and watch that practice match, and I'm sure that Port Adelaide would be the same. So, yeah. we, we'll be directed by the AFL, so that the protocols will will dictate that um, and three weeks in three weeks' time, things could change. And you're confident, clearly at this stage, that uh, the pre-season game against Frio uh, early March will go ahead? Yeah, at this stage, um, yeah, we, we haven't had any indications to to say that that is going to change. But, yeah, certainly the events of the last week and having gone through what's happened with our AFLW team, um, yeah, it'll all just be dependent on what's happening with COVID at that point in time. Early March. Hey, I think I've seen some umpires out at uh, your scratch matches and your scrimmages. What, what's been the feedback from the players on the new rule where you can basically do nothing when you're manning the mark? Yeah, well, it certainly um, opens up the field. And you know, I, I guess what has been a priority in defence has been um, that man on the mark ensuring that... Um, they certainly closed that kick on the 45 back into the corridor and what have you. So the, the field has certainly opened up and um, we're seeing some fairly aggressive ball movement because of that. Um, so that's that's been the main thing that's been noticed by, by the players and coaches. Um, and by my calculations, you've got 21 players out of contract uh, this year, Adam. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but you're going to be busy trying to re-sign a few of these. Yeah, it will be a busy year, and I think your numbers are correct. So we're in negotiations with a number of players at present, um, and those negotiations are going well. Um, but it's certainly going to be a very busy year for us from a contract point of view. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be looking to walk away, um, walk away some players before the season commences. Is it massive turn, turnover of players last you know, two years? You'd, you'd have the numbers, but probably you know nearly half a list in the space of two years. Do you, do you think it'll be less severe and, and a more stable group this year? Would that be the plan? Yeah, it will be. Um, yeah, we, we need to go into you know, a period of stability and consolidation of our list. So mm. we won't see the significant change in numbers that we've seen over the past two years. I think it's been 19 players that mm. have come onto our list in two years. And in that period, we've gone from being the third oldest 
left in the AFL to the youngest in season 2021. So significant change. We need to um, consolidate the list and, and certainly some stability moving forward with less player turnover is what we're planning for. Well, Adam, thanks so much for your time. Lots happening on your agenda over the next couple of days, and we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. I appreciate you joining the show. To all of you who listened, who contributed, who texted, who called, uh, you are what makes the show. We will be back to do it all again from 9 o'clock on Friday. Don't forget Super Bowl coverage from 9 on SEN on Monday morning. Jared Waitley is back. Normal program, The Waitley Show from 9 o'clock on Tuesday. Enjoy the tennis, enjoy all of the sporting action, and we'll be back to di- and we'll be back to dissect it all next week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.